Put your hands together for Jesus. He is a good and awesome and amazing God. John, if you could hit the light there for us. Man, we are thankful that you're here today and to worship the Lord with us. Last week, we began a new series entitled Win the War, where we are beginning to talk about spiritual warfare and what the Bible teaches us about spiritual warfare. The Apostle Paul uh, introduced to us the idea that there is a fight that is raging on between um, those that stand for the Lord and those that do not stand for the Lord and against the enemy. And we we talked about how the devil is a real being that is is not good, he is not nice, and, and he wages this war. And we see that there are battles happening for our families, for our churches, for our communities, for our schools, we see this, and it's, you can just turn on the news, and you can see the battles that are raging right now that we would believe um, have a darkness, a dark undertone to it. But we also believe that our God is strong, church, and that he is an amazing God that can do all sorts of things. And for those that love Jesus and, and that are standing with Jesus and that know Christ, that they are standing on the winning side. Hey, listen, no matter how dark it gets, you can still read the back of the book, Newsflash, We win at the end. We win. So we know that to be true. But every war that happens is made up of a series of battles. It's multiple fights that happen throughout that. Now, we know um, if you want to learn about battles and know about what battles are, all you have to do is grow up in a family with siblings. Who here grew up with Brothers or sisters, okay? All right. This morning on the way to church, let me tell you about a battle, all right? This morning on the way to church, uh, me and Taryn drive separate because she gets here just a little bit early to get the band going. So I'm on Burger King duty. My job is Burger King. And, um, and I just, I don't know what it is, but I have, I have two that love to fight each other, no matter what. Keep your hands yourself. She touched me. She hit me. She touched me. She hit me. Scoot over. I can't do that because I want to sit here. Well, if you sit there, your sister's going to keep hurting you. No, I can't do it. And they punch and punch and punch. And I get to church and I'm about to go nuts. I mean, that's just what happens. I got to repent before I walk in the door. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, that's what a battle is, man. Oh, it's constant crying. But, you know, we, we know that kids have battles all the time. I mean, have you guys ever played that game uh, when you were growing up? It's a kid's game called King of the Mountain. Who's played King of the Mountain in here? You know, I bet Jerry Burke was King of the Mountain champion like 1965, weren't you? You know, you had it going on. I mean, the the game is simple. You, You stand ideally on a hill or on a box or boxes or some elevated something, and you are maintaining the ground. And then the other kids will come up, and their job is to what? Knock you over. And they're pushing you and knocking you. And, and then if one of them is able to knock you over and you fall off the hill or you fall down or well, however you play it, then they become the king of the mountain. And there's a, lot in, um, there's a lot in king of the mountain of pushing. There's a lot of pushing. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like to be pushed. Anybody else with, with me on that? Pushing is just not, it's not something that we, we like. Um, it's not something that we like. But did you know today that if you stand for Jesus, if you stand for Christ, you stand for the Lord, you need to hold on because you're going to get pushed. 
There's going to be some pushing going on if you make a stand for the Lord Jesus. And let me tell you why. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ and you said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus in my heart. I need him to save me. I need to be born again. When you did that and you let Jesus into your heart, see, actually, you are the enemy of God. The Bible talks about that in Romans, that we are enemies of God. And when Jesus, when we basically, we throw up the white flag and we say, I surrender, you know, I'm giving my ground, my turf, my kingdom, I'm giving it to Jesus, the Lord conquers our lives. Now, it's a good conquering. It's a conquering of love. It's a conquering of victory. It's a conquering over the dark side. But he conquers us and he sets his kingdom up inside of us. And we are now citizens of King Jesus. And we are now standing on conquered ground in the name of Jesus. You know, our enemy, the devil, does not like that. The fact that we um, have switched sides, that our allegiances are no longer to the things of the dark, but the things of the light. And as we have come into the light and trusted in Jesus and he has given us a brand new start, as the Lord has done that, the devil does not like that at all. Now, we know from scriptures like John 10, Jude 1, we know from just Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, we understand that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, that Satan can never take that from you. You are eternally sealed and secured. Um, he, Jesus would say, I hold you in my hand and no man can pluck you out of my hand. Satan can never take you away from the presence of God. He can never do that. Satan can never have that ground. He cannot conquer the ground that Jesus has already conquered. Satan cannot do that. But his goal for you is this. It's to rob the glory of God from your life as much as he can. See, the glory of God is what's all at place. It's making the name of Jesus famous. It's his presence. It's his goodness. It's his word. And when Satan attacks us and comes against us, his primary objective is for the glory of God to decrease in your life, for people not to see Jesus in your life, for people to see something far from Jesus in your life. If Hey, they would, his goal is for you as a Christian for you to repel people away from Jesus. That's his goal. So even though, the Satan, even though Satan can never conquer the land that Jesus has already taken over in your life, he can't do that. But here's what he can do. He can thug his way in there, and he can push you around. And he can make you think that you're defeated. He can make you think that you can't stand. And the next thing you know, there is demonic squatting all over the land of the Lord. Meaning that there's things in your life that don't look like Jesus. Things in your life that doesn't look like God. Things in your life that is far from God, which is a contradictory because now you are a child of God and this shouldn't be right. So you know what happens? There is a battle that goes on. A battle in the spirit. And our role is, as believers in Jesus is to stand for the Lord even when it's difficult, even when the temptation is coming, even when the challenges and the darkness is assaulting us. We must stand on the conquered ground of Jesus Christ. We must stand for what we believe in. Book of Ephesians chapter 6, it'll be on the screen in your sermon notes, on your app, in your Bible. It's never going to be out of your Bible. It's going to be in your Bible. So everybody tune into the Word today, all right? Ephesians 6, we're picking up where we left off last week. Ephesians 6, Paul is talking about spiritual warfare. Paul is under arrest. He is in, he's under arrest for preaching the gospel. 
As a result of that, the, um, he, has, he is probably more than likely chained to a Roman guard, chained to a Roman guard, and telling about preaching and teaching about spiritual warfare. And look what he says. We pick up where we left off. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. Now, there is more to the armor of God, but we're only going to do the first half today, and we're going to look at the next half next week. But let's pray as we study the first half of the armor of God. Father, we thank you for giving us the armor May you teach us about it, Lord, today, and show us, Lord, how we can stand for Jesus with the armor of God. Help me to preach faithfully and to preach the word and within context. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. From what we learn from this path, from this passage, here's our big take home today. Every one of us needs to be able to say as a Christian, I will stand for Jesus. As a believer and a follower of Christ, we need to be able to declare that we will stand up for King Jesus. There's many ways that we get to stand for Jesus just from the the few verses that we looked at. First, we see this, that we stand for Jesus trusting in his truth. We trust in his truth. Now look back at verse 13. For this reason, Paul tells us to take up the full armor of God. Let's look what that verse does not say. Take up the full armor of yourself. Does it say that? Take up the full armor of positive thinking. Does it say that? Take up the full armor of optimism. Take up the full armor of self-help. No, it says take up the full armor of God, right out of the gate, what? This is a supernatural deal. This is coming from the Lord, not from us. Your spiritual protection in times of battle, you ready, is not from you. It's not from inside of you. It's not from some wishy, feel-good type thing. This is supernatural, the Spirit of God coming into you, the Spirit doing a work in your life. And we take up the full armor of God so that we'll be able to resist in the evil day. What's Paul talking about? Maybe he's talking about the end of time, but, but one thing that we know is that, hey, we don't have to be in the, in the end of time to know that evil is amongst us and that things come about, about us and around us that tempt us and that test us and that, and that really assault us and confront us. There's a lot of evil in this world. We know that. And what Paul hopes for us is that we will not fall into that type of evil as Christians. That we won't give up ground for the dark one. We won't give up ground for the things of the evil one. But instead, we will stand strong, that we will resist temptation and trust in the Lord. And he tells us, after having prepared everything, we, need, we gotta take a stand. And the very first thing he tells us to take a stand, he tells us how to stand. He says, stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to let one out here. Belts are really important. Did you know that? I'm going to tell one of myself, all right? You ready? At night to shine, 
Who helped at night to shine? Well, I got a pair of tuxedo pants, and my wife told me to try those bad boys on before we went. I didn't do that. I just put them on the night we are going. And there was a broken belt. You know, they got like the inside belts in it. And, uh, and I'm happy to say I have some very loving church members because both Brad Payne and Nathan Booker was doing surgery on my pants at night to shine. And I am really thankful for you guys. You know, I love you guys very much. But I'll tell you, without a proper belt, it ain't good, especially at night to shine. You know what I mean? It ain't, it ain't good. You need your belt. You need your belt. You need your pants to stay up. You know what I mean? You just, you need it. Now, the Roman soldier that Paul maybe could have been looking at to, to kind of model this out after, the Roman belts were a little bit different than our belts. They're not quite the same. Um, their belts was actually a, probably a heavy strap. And what that belt did, it actually probably looped around several loops and buckles around their armor. And that belt would actually, when they tightened it, it would tighten the breastplate, it would tighten uh, the area that would hold the, the sword, it would, it would keep all the under parts together. So without a belt on, the Roman soldier could not bind up his armor. Without the belt, everything would fall apart. And Paul tells us to put on the belt of truth. Now, if you've got a King James Version, it will actually say, gird up the loins. That's a, that's a good Bible phrase, ain't it? Gird up your loins with the truth. And really, truthfully, that is probably a better idea because you would gird yourself up, wrap yourself up, tie yourself up with this belt. But Paul says the belt that we wrap ourselves up and tie ourselves up is what? The belt of what? Truth. That shouldn't surprise us, should it? Uh, Jesus himself said, we sung about it in a song just a few minutes ago. Jesus himself said what? I am the way and the truth and the life. It shouldn't surprise us that Christians should just carry truth about them, carry truth and wrapped up all in them. Just like the belt would hold the Roman soldier together, truth holds us together. And Satan will attack us with his lies, with his falsehoods, with his evil. He will do that. And how do we overcome that? We overcome it with truth. We preach the truth, we stand for the truth, we model truth in our lives. Christians should not be people of exaggeration. They should not be people um, that manipulate. Christians should not be people that tell half-truths or false stories. Christians should be people that permeate with truth and that look like Jesus and that, and that, that carry themselves like the Lord. And that is one way that we resist evil is that when Satan comes about us, that we refuse to buy into the lies of the enemy. And isn't that exactly how he works? Think of the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were tempted, he told them what? A lie. He always lies. And if truth is something that is part of you, that is core of you, and you're wrapped up in truth, you'll be able to tell when the lies come. You'll be able to hear the lies because, first off, it won't, it, lies never are compatible with the Word of God. Lies will always fly in the face of the Word of God. And how we need truth and a commitment to the truth of Scripture and a commitment to the truth of Jesus. It's very popular right now to call everything fake. We got fake news, fake this, fake that. 
you know, the word fake is there. We've got some people with fake faces, you know, they're like 95, but somehow they still look like they're 20, you know, I don't understand that. We've got, we've got fake churches. We do. We have churches that they got good crowds, good money, but the gospel's not being preached. The cross has been removed. The blood of Jesus has been removed. The gospel is never declared. The, the Bible is never preached. There's not a doctrine. <laughs> There's not a doctrine in the world anywhere around them. There's some fake churches out there. And this is what the devil exactly wants us to do. He wants us to buy in to deception, buy in to lies. That's what temptation is. It's a lie. If you do this, you'll feel better and you'll be better. It's a lie. If you disobey God here, it's going to be okay. It's worth it. Those are all lies. And one way when we're fighting that, that Christian battle is to gird ourselves with truth and to be people of truth from head to toe, from from church to home, from the mission field to the workplace. Truth should encompass us. We should trust in the truth of the Lord. And as we trust in the truth of the Lord, we also, we must stand wrapped up in the righteousness of Christ. We stand wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus. Now this is so neat. The next piece of the armor, it says righteousness like armor on your chest. Now, the Romans, when they had their armor, they would, it, would, it, was, it covered their torso. It would be, you know, like from here to there. And normally, the Romans would, would decorate it. You know, they would chisel out like abs in metal. I guess, you know, if you can't have real abs, you know, just chisel them into metal. You know, I mean, it's, it's all Batman does. You know what I mean? You know, just chisel it out. And you could put, and they would put like the Roman war eagle on it. They would decorate it and also but the but regardless of all the decorations and all the metal sculpting and things like that regardless of that there was a primary purpose for that breast that breastplate because when you were in warfare and somebody had a dagger or a knife where are they going to try to get you in the chest you know why because you got the ticker right there and if the ticker goes out guess what you're dead so the, the torso, metal piece, the breastplate, it covered vital organs from, the, from the, the intestines to the heart to the lungs, and it would be very, very important. I think it's so interesting. It covers the heart. Now, the breastplate that we have as Christians is of righteousness. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, that means that when Satan is overcoming and he's, pressing against me and he's, he's doing this, that I just need to be really, really good. I just need to act really, really good. I need, to, I need to be the best that I can. What if I told you today that, listen, you're not really a good person. The Bible teaches us that for there is no one righteous, no, not one. The Bible teaches us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You're not righteous, the Bible teaches us that our righteousness is like filthy rags. But yet something happens. When you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus comes into your heart, something amazing happens. The righteousness of Christ is imparted onto you. Which means that though you are sinful and wicked, when Jesus died on the cross and he gave his blood for you, when you accepted Jesus, 
God placed his righteousness onto you. Well, Kenny, I look in the mirror and I see my, my mistakes and my faults and I don't feel very righteous. Well, you know what? I'm really thankful God's faithfulness doesn't depend on my feelings. And that when I have trusted in Jesus, he has made me righteous. I am righteous in the eyes of the Lord. Now, if the righteousness gets inside of us and in our heart, you know what happens? It's an inside-out type deal. We don't change ourselves with self-help. The righteousness of the Lord is placed within us, and the righteousness begins to shine through us. And one way that we overcome evil in, in the day of temptation is to simply know who you are, that you are a child of God, that you are clothed in righteousness, not by your own efforts and your own deeds, but you are clothed in righteousness because of Jesus and when Satan assaults you with those lies and he says, look, I'm, look how much of a piece of garbage you are. Look how much of a piece of trash you are. Look at, look at how weak you are. Look at all this and this and this. You stand in the presence of the Lord and you say, yeah, you know what? I was all of that until Jesus came into my heart. And he reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. <laughs> remind him of his future. God has done something great. We overcome the battle not believing that we're some sort of weak, defeated foe. We overcome the battle knowing that we stand in the righteousness and victory of Jesus Christ. That's how we win, knowing who we are. You guys ever um, like been to the zoo where they've got those like butterfly houses? You guys ever been to those where like you walk in and all these butterflies are everywhere and you're like scared to death you're gonna kill like a bunch of them if you just move the wrong way. And they like, they land on you and they're all around you and all that stuff. Well, how many times do you go into a butterfly house or a butterfly exhibit and you say, man, those are some nasty worms in there. You don't do that. That's what they were before they were butterflies. They're, they're, they're caterpillars. You've been around, they're not the most attractive bug that you are bugs attractive? I don't know. But caterpillars, they're not the most prettiest thing you've ever seen. It's a bug. When you look at a butterfly, you don't see the worm. You see the final product. You see a chrysalis that's when it's went through, a metamorphosis that it's went through. You, you've seen a change. Though you may look in the mirror and Satan may tell you, look how flawed and messed up you are. I'm telling you to look in the mirror and say, I might seem flawed and messed up, but by the grace of God, God sees Jesus in me. God sees Jesus. Oh, do you see how Satan does this? If he can just get you defeated, believing that you're worthless, believing you have no value, he's already won the battle in your life. You've got to see yourself wrapped in his righteousness. And you also, when you stand for the Lord, you've got to stand for Jesus planted in his peace. Planted in his peace. Look what it says. And your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. Now the Roman soldier, part of their combat was their boots. They had their boots. Now their boots were a lot different than our boots. Um, it was kind of like a combination of boot and sandal, really. It, it had these big straps on them and you would put them on and you would tie them around your leg. You would, it was an intricate process because it, you, would, you would tie it and make it strong. It was 
Honestly, from what I was looking at this week, it was like steel-toed sandals, if that makes any sense. I mean, they, they were tough, but they were light so you could run. And one of the things about the Roman soldiers' boots was that they would take nails into the soles and drive them through. And it would almost make like cleats. It would be like cleats on the bottom of their shoes. And what they would do is when they went to fight, they would plant themselves in the ground. They'd have their shield and their sword. We'll talk about that next week. But they'll have their shield and the sword. And they would dig in to the ground. And as the opposing soldiers were coming, they would hold them off and stab them. They'd move forward, plant, stab, plant, stab. And those boots became a very serious piece of equipment for them to be protected in the battle. It allowed them to hold their ground anchor themselves in. Now, when I used to read this, I used to think, well, the gospel of peace, this means that we assault the kingdom of darkness by by taking the good news. Beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news, and we, we preach Jesus. Absolutely, we should preach Jesus. Absolutely, we advance the gospel. Absolutely. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. Well, what do you mean, Kenny? Well, Paul is referencing protection from the enemy. Notice how the gospel shoes work. They're gospel shoes of what? Of peace. Of peace. Knowing that the shoes are to firmly plant you and anchor you into the ground, and we're told to stand and resist, how do we do that? With peace. With peace. Oh, how Satan wants to rob your peace from you. He wants to rob your joy from you. He wants to conflict you. He wants to hurt you. And, you know, that's what temptation will do. I mean, you know, when you're being assaulted by temptation and temptation, it can almost semi-drive you nuts sometimes. It can be very, very difficult. And then when you give in to temptation, there's a problem there that happens because the Holy Spirit inhabits you and you've let something into your life that is not honoring to God, that is not pleasing God to the Lord. So now there's conflict. Remember when Paul wrote, wrote over there in Romans 7, you know, the things I want to do, I don't. The things I do, do, I, you know, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I do want to do, I don't. However that works, Romans 7. He's talking, there's, there's a conflict. There's a conflict. And it, it takes away your peace. I've seen so many Christians that lack peace in their life. They lack peace. But yet, when I read the gospel, the comfort of knowing that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. That should bring peace to everybody. The Bible teaches there's a peace that goes beyond understanding. So when we are assaulted by the enemy and he's coming after us, here's what you need to do. You ready? You need to remember that you were bought with the blood of Jesus, that your sins are forgiven, that there's hope for you, and there's, and there's love in your life, and you're loved by God. And when everything's coming against you, you just rest in the peace that the gospel brings to you, the peace that Jesus brings. And when you're tempted, you think, you know what? Hey, listen, this temptation is strong, but the peace of God is better. The peace is better. And you know what it's like? You know what it's like to give in to temptation as a Christian? You give in and you feel like dirt the next as soon as you do it. You feel like garbage. And God doesn't want you feeling that way. 
Why? Because that's not who you are. It's not who you are. The Spirit is wrestling in you. So what you need to do is you need to understand that there's a peace that the Lord gives. A great peace. And when the temptations and the struggle happens, you stand in the peace of Christ. You stand in the peace of the Lord. Um, anybody ever seen the movie Twister? Who's seen the movie Twister? Like, it's, it's an older movie. Um, you know, it's, it's about these people that are, they're like tornado hunting, and they're going for like the big, massive, like is F5, what was it? I forget, it was like an F5. Yeah, Courtney knows, good millennial in the crowd, knows her twister, doesn't she? And they're going after the F5, and, and, and they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff to find this tornado, and, um, and at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, okay, at the end of the movie, like, they're out there without all their gear, and they can't get away from the big tornado. So they run into this barn. Do you guys remember this part? And the tornado's coming, and there's like a, a water pipe in there. So the dude takes his belt off, hugs the woman, of course, you know, hugs the lady, and they strap themselves to a water pipe. And this gigantic tornado comes through destroys the barn, and everything's going crazy, and they're just like hanging on to dear life with the belt. I would love to know the manufacturer of that belt. Seems like a solid, <laughs> seems like a solid product, okay? And they're holding on, and everything's going crazy, and there's a cow that flies by, a kitchen sink flies by, and it is amazing because they're not getting hit by debris at all, and I have no idea how that works. And, and at the end, when the tornado's done, everything's gone but the water pipe. Of course, right? Everything's gone but the water pipe. And they're there, and, and it's, it's great. Hey, listen, I appreciate the imagery to be able to use it as an illustration of my sermon. But can I just tell you this? That would never, they'd be dead in a minute. It'd kill them. It'd just rip their skin off. You know what I mean? They'd be dead in a minute. It'd be a nightmare. But I appreciate the imagery of being anchored to something when everything else around you is going crazy. You ready for this? When the tornadoes of life, of Satan, when the tornadoes of Satan comes in and he's ripping and raging, tearing everything up in your life, throwing everything at you, trying to get you to fall into sin, into temptation, and it's coming hard, the only thing you can hold on to is the peace of Jesus. The peace that the Lord Jesus brings. Maybe today you're a Christian in here and you've let some, maybe some things in your life that don't belong into your life. And you've been having some problems as a Christian finding peace. Hey, search your heart. Search your heart. Ask God to reveal that to you. Confess it. Repent of it. Don't give the devil an inch. Don't give him an inch. He'll take a foot if you give him an inch. But trust in the peace of Christ. There have been so many assaults against the church and against the kingdom of God ever since Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, it, you only just get into the book of Acts, like a couple chapters, and they're like throwing Peter and John into the jail. And you look at, you look at when the Roman Empire, about 100 years later, the Roman Empire went on this vicious campaign to kill Christians. They, they crucified Christians, burned them, torched them, everything. You, you go further on into the Dark Ages, and you see how the church is becoming very politicized and, 
and, and the gospel is somehow being kind of tampered with during that time and the gospel is being polluted during that time. There's been so many attacks. We think even today, the attacks that come against the church, we've, we've seen false doctrines creep up. We, we've seen the rise of liberalism that tried to strike. We see, um, we see people not trusting God's word. We, you even see this, this weird doctrine forming now where if you just name it and claim it, you can have it, or if you walk with Jesus, you'll never get sick or have cancer or problems. And that's just garbage. There's no truth to that. Men of God have problems just like anyone else do. But in the midst of all of that, all these attacks that have come, have come against the church, come against Jesus for 2,000 years, and there's been some heavy ones, don't you find it a little ironic that over 2,000 years, the gospel could not be snuffed out? That in the midst of all of this, the church is still going strong. May, hey, listen, we've maybe seen brighter days. I give you that. But it's not extinct. It's not extinct. It's almost like this gospel message of Jesus is anointed to be able to go through so much turmoil and chaos. And you know what? If I'm going to stand up for something, I'm going to stand up for something that's been through the ringer and has withstood the test. 2,000 years of proving itself is a pretty good passing of the test in my book. That's why I stand. I don't know if you know the story of Martin Luther or not, but Luther was a priest in the 1500s. And Luther, um, it's a great story. Just read about Luther. Great, great man of God. But Luther was studying the Bible and he looked at what the Bible said. And what the church was doing at the time was not what the Bible was teaching. And there was a conflict. And he wrestled with it. And if you know your history, he pinned down 95 things that was in conflict that he found on the first, on the first way through. He found more later. But 95 things that did not match up with the scripture. And old Martin Luther took that document that we call the, oh, come on, the 95 Theses. And he took that document to that German church, to that church in that German village, and he nailed it to the door of the church. 95 things. His stand cost him a whole lot. He would be a hunted man. He'd have to go into exile and the whole nine yards. But can I tell you something? His stand for the gospel led to a mighty, amazing revival. And people began thawing out for the gospel all over Europe, all over the world. And a great movement of God was unleashed. And can I tell you something? When we stand... For the Lord, it might be tough. It might be hard because Satan will attack us. But I will promise you this, it's worth it. It's worth it. And the only way we can stand against the enemy, the only way 
is because 2,000 years ago, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus Christ to die for you and to give his life for you, to free you from the clutches of the enemy. And on that Easter morning, when the tomb was all sealed up and it was dark and the body of Jesus lay there, God the Father said, stand up. And God the Son stood up. And today, the way that I'm able to stand on the conquered ground of Jesus Christ is because I have a Savior that stood up from death living inside of me. And that's what it all boils down into. Do you have Jesus standing inside of you? Friend, today, I don't know what struggles you're going through, temptations and battles, but I know you are. Can I just encourage you? Don't buy into his lies. Trust in God's truth. Wrapped up in his righteousness. Grounded in his peace. Today, you need to resist the enemy and trust in the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness for your grace. And God, how we pray in this moment now that you, Lord, would send the peace of Christ that we so preached about today. God, there are people here that are doubting your word. Help them, Lord. There are people here, God, that don't see themselves as righteous because of their sin. Lord, help them to see that in Christ. There are people here today, God, that are lacking peace they don't have to so Jesus I pray that you would stand up for these people and raise them up God raise them up to stand and Lord send the spirit of God Lord I pray during this prayer time that if somebody needs to come and give their life to Jesus they would come out of that aisle and come forward and tell me or or Pastor Jason or one of our deacons that they need to be saved Father I pray that Christian that's really getting hammered right now would just find comfort in the standing Jesus. So Lord, we thank you. Move in only how you